0: Heads is sharing our pairings, episode 101, Spotlight on the Florida Minicana. I'm your host, John the Cigar Surgeon. Sharing our pairings, broadcast live around the world. Picked up on the Armed Forces Radio Network and, of course, at home at CigarFederation.com. You can tune in via CigarFederation.com. YouTube, or now, hopefully, streaming Facebook Live. We had some technical glitches before the show, so hopefully that's all worked out. Uh, fresh back from uh, Nicaraguan trips, we are here to do some pairing. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Trippie Trent. Come on, buddy. I'm not sure if I have audio for Trip for some reason. One second.
1: Oh, that was my bad. I accidentally muted myself. There we go. Uh, so we are live on uh, Facebook. Fantastic. The video is a little choppy, which seems weird. Yeah, um, no, it happens. But that that happens. We'll see how it turns out. Um, obviously, we just got back from Nicaragua, which was great. Had a fun time for all, and it's I'm uh, I'm ready to get back into doing the show because it's been a little while.
0: It's it's been a hot minute. I think it's been uh, well by my math, maybe a month now.
1: Yeah, just about.
0: And I apologize to all of, yeah, apologize to all of our uh, listeners and uh, audience members who listen via podcast and tune in every week live. Uh, Unfortunately, I had some uh, severe weather issues here. It was... uh well beyond the surgeon standard for putting up with that cold and put a kibosh in the show. But uh, it's now it's nice. We're like, all of a sudden, it's a complete reversal. It's nice. Good. We're smoking shortly. Hopefully. Um, so, uh, of course, we're doing a spotlight on uh, La Florida Dominican. I've got some notes here. Um, Trippy, maybe why don't you talk about it first?
1: Uh, I This is the first time I've had this. I've smoked the regular Lenox uh, a couple months ago. About a year ago, actually. Um, but right here, i got the Petite linux uh which is i forgot the size on the top of my head I believe it's five by 42 uh it's really more of a corona than a than what i would call any kind of petite size
0: nice um
1: like just short of of what i would call a standard corona uh, you know four by 42 or six by 42 five by 42 in that range
0: Well, I'm smoking the uh, Toro and I was commenting to uh, Jeff, my boss, a cigar company in Orlando, much appreciated. And uh, this is the Toro. Now it definitely looks like it's obviously a Toro extra, maybe on five inches and six inches. It's a six and a half by 50. Uh, But, you know, looking at the fit, it's so funny how things have come full circle because I look at this now at a 50 ring gauge and it just, it seems so small. Which, mm-hmm. which which isn't right like it's a 50 ring gauge that should be sort of on the larger spectrum at least traditional largers but it, it doesn't it looks small it looks almost like a corona like
1: yeah and I think it, I think it's partially like the color of the stick and the, the band on there mm. um, that it just I don't know something about it messes with your head and it just doesn't look the size that it is
0: right yeah no I, I, would, I would totally agree with that it's I mean the talking about the tobacco here the the wrapper kind of has a rustic quality to it if that makes sense.
1: Definitely.
0: So you know, it's got some bumps, it's got some lumps, it's got some veins, and I know a lot of people out there are like, oh, "It's got veins, I can't smoke this, that's no good." I don't, I don't, I mean, within reason, I don't really care if it looks rustic or not. I don't care oh, yeah. if it's super shiny. I don't care. I, I just care how it smokes and how it tastes and whether the price is a good value. Really, and that's
1: flavor, dog. Yeah. Those that's veins flavored.
0: are flavor. This, this little pockets of flavor, the little capsules of that delicious. Brazilian Maduro wrapper flavor. So talking yeah. about the specs here, Brazilian Brazilian Maduro wrapper. It's got a San Andreas binder. You know we, we love the San Andreas on this show. It's got uh, Palo de Cubano filler. I love Palo de Cubano, and uh, Palo de Oro. So all around, Ooh. like some some really good tobacco. Now I can't remember the MSRP. Uh, maybe Trippy, while I talk about their mission statement, you could take a quick peek. I, th- I think it was in like the. It's a little more expensive. You know, then the $9 sticks, like I think it was pushing $11.50, but um, one of the things I want to talk about is they've got a really cool sort of mission statement, and and it'll become – the reason I'm speaking about this will become relevant later as I talk about the various breweries that we're pairing with tonight and how terrible their websites are (laughs) and how I can't find – their mission statement, and can you tell them fired up tonight? And, oh, yeah. I, and, I, and I can't find out when you were founded or who you were founded or where you located. Uh, these are not things I should look for. Now in La Florida, Minicana, great site, really well laid out, wonderful mission statement. So I'm just going to read the mission statement out there and hopefully everyone stays tuned in. It says La Florida, Minicana was founded in 1996 in Santiago, Dominican Republic. Our commitment to quality, consistency, and customer service has placed our brand among the most prestigious premium cigar brands in the world. Over the years, we have developed a portfolio of quality blends, shapes, and sizes to fulfill the ever-changing needs of today's cigar smokers. Our well-known consistency is possible because we personally supervise every stage of our production, from farming our tobacco at our farm in La, Can- La Canela to the art of manufacturing in our modern facility. The vertical, in- vertical integration is our guarantee. And that, I mean, that's a, that's a really great... Mission statement like that, you know. I'm reading that, and I've smoked obviously lots of LFTs, and they're good. So oh, you read, a, yeah, you read a mission statement like that, and it's like, yeah, okay, you know, a day. Yeah,
1: and it's comprehensive. It like mm-hmm. it covers all the bases. It, it's like we're quality, we're keeping up with the trends, we're vertically integrated. They've got. They hit all the bases. All the bases.
0: Now you were mentioning uh, prior to the show, and I was not up on because I'm still kind of in vacation mode, coming off a of vacation in Nicaragua, headed to Havana. My head's not really. I don't. I don't have my Canadian head on. Tra- I got <laughs> my. I got my Nicaragua head on right now, and I'm just. I'm not on it. But you were mentioning it's someone's birthday today. Someone rel- relative to this show that we're doing yes. today. Relevant to this show. I had no today.
1: idea when we started talking about this show. We. Uh, We had talked about it a couple weeks ago, and then we decided to schedule it. And uh, I had no idea that today was Lito Gomez's birthday, uh, which is is just super relevant. I mean, we're doing this – now this is kind of like a tribute, a birthday present for Lito.
0: And I know he's tuned in. I mean, he's definitely tuned in our show. He's not out there enjoying delicious cigars or rum or steak dinner. You know, he's tuned in sharing our pairings because, you know, he – you know, it's an important, yeah. it's an important part of yeah, our We week. know what
1: Lido does on Wednesday nights.
0: Absolutely. Wednesday night is sharing our pairing night. Well, maybe not for the last four weeks, but certainly tonight it's sharing oh, our yeah. pairing night. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we are doing some pairings tonight, but, you know, we wanted to give some love to La Florida Minicana, which is kind of the spotlight. We I don't think we've actually ever featured La Florida Minicana on the show before, which is really a shame because they make some really great smokes. The Lenox is one of them. I'd, I'd happily pair the Andalusian Bull if anyone out there knows where to get their their dirty weasel hands on them. If, I haven't you know, seen them. Ca- call me? Call me. Email? Call me, me. Call me. I have no idea. I don't I don't think they're out there. I think that uh, it it is very unlikely that you can get your dirty hands on Andalusian Bull. And congratulations to them for getting cigar of the year.
1: Yeah. Was- yeah. I haven't had one. I can't speak to it yet. Um, as far as I know it's a mythical cigar.
0: And and it did mark kind of an odd change up for Cigar Aficionado to have a cigar that's a limited edition. Mm -hmm. in like to even place really within the top 10 was kind of surprising but to get number one um i think that was probably a big surprise for a lot of people
1: yeah and and it makes me wonder if it's actually going to be a single release or if they're going to do new releases of it maybe in different vitolas because that seems more like something that lfd would do
0: do do the limited not limited run
1: yeah but do do limited in different sizes so we're not getting the same cigar every time and that way people who bought it in the original run still feel like, you know, they got the, the old hotness.
0: I like that. I like that because it still keeps it limited. All the people out there that get salty when a limited edition comes back aren't, aren't necessarily going to get salty. I think that's a good idea trip. I think you got a good yeah. business plan.
1: Yeah, I should, I should go into business.
0: Thank you. Should. All right, cool. Well, um, you know, let's, let's get after it. Cause, uh, I'm kind of thirsty, you know, and I don't know if it's oh, yeah. like,
1: time's wasting.
0: I don't know if it's six days in Nicaragua of just drinking rum and scotch and, you know, whiskey every day. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that says about me, but uh, no, we're going to get into it and uh, I'm going to kick it off with a really odd one and I'm going to jack this up because it's in Danish. So I apologize to all of our Danish listeners. I know you guys are out there. It's a to Verzet, and it's, uh, it's uh, Belgium. So I said Danish and I've already screwed it up. It's a microbrewery located in Enzogem Belgium. And that's all I could get off their website. So oh, wow. I had to go to our friends at Untapped.com. If you don't have the Untapped app, and I'm just going to plug them here, even though they don't sponsor us in any way, you can Untapped. It's probably a good show for you to sponsor. We drink a lot of beer. Oh, yeah. But Untapped has great uh, specs on the, different, um, just on the different breweries. So you can go into a brewery and their profile, and it's kind of got a little background, which, again, like I said, had more on there than it did on the actual brewery website. Something to be said about that. So according to Untap, they were founded in 2011, and it was just three guys who had completed a brewing uh, brewing program, and they decided to just start up their own brewery. So they're still going. It's 2017. They've I think their average rating on uh, Beer Advocate is like 96, so or at wow. least they're rated 96 as a brewery. So I don't know if that like is the average of all their beers, but I'll, it sounds good to me. And I'm gonna jack this name up because again, you know, it's not
1: it's Belgian. Which Belgian. I learned, I learned in Nicaragua. In in Belgium, they mostly speak French.
0: They mostly speak French, although with a Belgian accent. We do, we do have a friend actually at the uh, the factory we we're visiting down there in Granada, who's from Belgium and t- and tunes in. So he's probably gonna send me a, a hot email after the show.
1: Oh yeah, he'll be he'll be grumpy.
0: He'll be grumpy. But this is the uh, old Bruin hip hops. I kind of like that hip hops now. What's this? The difference between this and the regular old Bruin? It just says hip hops on it, and it's part of a it was part of a Christmas you know calendar series. Other than that, it's the exact same beer. Six uh, percent ABV. It's a red brown ale classified, and they say that the beer is matured, and then interestingly enough, they age at least six months in the bottle. So that's kind of interesting. And they mm-hmm. make a point of saying that. Um, they say the uh, notes in the beer are acidic, green apple, wood, bread, and red fruit. They say the the acid uh, notes kind of hit you uh, right away up front, and then they kind of transition. So I'm going to hold that up. I mean, it's it's definitely, I mean, you can't really see it on my webcam there, but it's, it's a brown ale, and it's kind of like a hazy brown ale. So, like, it's not completely uh, opaque, but it's not completely translucent either. So it's, you know, hazy brown ale. So I'm going to... Uh, I'm gonna get after it here, Trip. Let you talk about uh, your first beverage tonight before we get uh, into our first break.
1: All right, you get after it. I'll try not to let you talk about this one too much because I know you know more about it than I do. I've got a beer that's from Shinnecock Gun. Oh, there we go. Um, this is actually the first beer I've had from them, which might give you an aneurysm. That's I know. That's,
0: that's that the scott in me is very angry right now <laughs> uh
1: so this is the in- innocent gun hopped bourbon cask ale uh so it's an imperial red ale that is matured in first fill bourbon casks which means the last thing that was in them was bourbon and then after that uh, innocent gun acquired the casks and put this in them uh and then after it comes out of the casks they actually dry hop it before bottling it. um so i'm they don't say what the IBUs are so I don't know how bitter to expect it to be, um, but the the fact that it's been aged for uh, several months in barrels makes me think it's probably not going to be too hoppy.
0: Which sorry which which one which particular innocent gun was that again?
1: It's called the Hopped Bourbon Cascade, and it's a Imperial Red Ale that's that's aged in bourbon barrels and then dry hopped after the aging, um, and it clocks in at seven point four percent alcohol, Ooh. and it's a it's a pretty nice little uh, dark red color. Um, I mean, basically exactly what I would expect an imperial red ale to look like. Tough to see on my camera. It looks a little more brown, but it's it's certainly got a, a reddish hue to it. Uh, how's your pairing doing there, John?
0: Well, I, I recognize that we um, hopped right in the pairing and didn't really talk about the cigar notes at all. Oh. So maybe I'll just kinda of quickly hit that up right after we take this break. So just a reminder to our audience you're tuned into Sharing Repairing, this is episode one oh one, Spotlight on Florida Medicana. We are broadcast live around the world, picked up on the armed forces. Radio network, And, of course, we're tuned in to podcast catchers everywhere around the world, whether you're on iTunes, Android, or anything in between, including a computer. You can tune in to just about any podcast catcher in the world and pick us up. Thanks for subscribing. We appreciate your support. Of course, sharing our pairings brought to you by Gurkha Cigars, makers of the finest cigars in the world. You should check out the uh, Heritage in the Heritage Maduro. They good. Talk to your local B&M. They'll hook you up. They'll, they'll find a Gurkha that's right for you. But that's not where we're smoking tonight. We're smoking the uh, La Florida Minicana Lenox. And uh, I have to say, right off the start, I got a lot of spice, uh, and I'm going to preface saying a lot of spice for Dominican cigars, because I I tend not to find most Dominican cigars spicy right off the start. That's typically, for me, as a a general thing, that's more of a a Nicaraguan thing.
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: You totally agree? Now, I would say that the uh, spice was quite balanced. So it wasn't a heater, you know, it wasn't like the a, a Don Pepin classic, burn your face off, which I enjoy, but it was more of a, a white pepper, like a like a nice white pepper, and then it had some really nice, like toasted quality, um, like some chocolate, like, you know, if you were to take chocolate and make, roast it over a fire, so it's got a little bit of smoky quality to it, and then underneath that, there's just hints of earth, and I don't know if the hints of earth are coming from the Palo de Cabano, or something else, but what I like is that I'm not usually a big fan of earthiness in my cigars. It's kind of a note that can be a little overpowering. And I find the earthiness in this to be really balanced. It, like it's offsetting some of the sweetness. It's you know it's it's in balance there. How's, how's the first maybe couple inches of your cigar? Um,
1: I'm actually going to say a lot of things that I echo when I start talking about my first beer here. Um, but I agree with what you said. It's a very well-balanced cigar. It's got a little bit of everything, um, but nothing is too overpowering. Um, You know, a lot of Nicaraguan cigars are really spicy. A lot of Dominican cigars are really earthy and kind of minerally. um, And sometimes they're lacking in spice for me. Um, And this one's just got a little bit of everything, just enough. Uh, Nothing is overpowering, and uh, none of the flavors seem like they need to be amped up. It's just nice and balanced, but but still kind of strong and in your face.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not... um you know, if we talk in, of course, it gets complicated when we talk about strength versus strength versus uh, uh, body. And in this case, we're, you know, we're really kind of talking a little bit of both. For strength, I'd say yeah. it's kind of like nicotine strength. It's probably right smack dab in the medium, maybe slightly medium plus. But for body, this is absolutely medium plus full body cigar. And, oh, yeah. and the flavors are very to the forefront. Um, they're not mild. You don't have to reach for them. But at the same time, uh, it's got a very clean finish. So, you know, I take a puff and I'm getting maybe a little bit of earthiness and maybe just a hint of leather with a little bit of drying mouthfeel post-draw. But other than that, you know, it's like I get a puff, I stop, palate clears up, I'm ready for a beverage or another puff. Uh, pretty.
1: Yeah. We're the, we're the stri- we're, With the amount of body that this has, uh, it's, the finish is surprisingly. I mean, as soon as you stop puffing, it's almost gone. Because I do as find, do-
0: and I don't know what your experience is, but <clears throat> I do find with a lot of full-bodied cigars, um, the, the finish tends to, along with that full-bodiedness, you tend to get a very long finish. Like, it coats your mouth, coats your tongue. You know, that flavor sticks with you for quite a while after the... after the.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I mean. Um, you kind of... I, I, call, I always call that... I refer to that as weighing on the palate. Right. Um, I agree. This is not heavy on the palate, even though it's got a ton of flavor.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, let me talk about my beverage, because it's, it's an interesting one. It's not at all what I expected. Uh, I get what they're talking about, the acidity. And if you've ever had a lambic, I would say this is kind of like a lambic on steroids. I get a lot of that citrusy, uh, acidic quality to it that I get out of a lambic. Um, so, you know, they talk about green apple. I definitely get lots of apple. Uh, it, it's almost like you know the kind of the best quality of a cider for me but like said, it's a cider and a lambic and a brown ale all kind of mixed together which sounds gross but it ends up being quite good and it's not like I didn't know what to expect cuz I've never had this beer before but it ends up being interesting because the acidic nature of this beer is really clearing my palate and we've really had a tough time in the show pairing um ciders before like they just they're too acidic they're too tart and this really uh, strides that walks walks that line nice and carefully without being too sweet without being too sour or tart it's it's right smack dab in the middle and and I dare say it's it's good I'm gonna take some more steps here um, and let you talk about innocent gun or innocent gun as uh, as Robbie thinks I say <laughs> uh,
1: yeah I, I noticed as you were saying it uh, when you first said the name I was like oh it sounds like innocent gun I didn't think right. about that when I read it in my head uh, so this. Beer actually goes really well with the cigar because it's sort of like a couple of different styles mixed together. You've got a little bit of like that uh that roasty sweet body that you get from a red ale and then you've got a little bit of hoppiness but not too much. It's it's a little more than I expected um even though it's called a hopped bourbon ale just because I know typically we don't get as hoppy beers from the uh, Europe, as we do in the U.S., because we're kind of crazy for hops. Um, and then it's got a little bit of that bourbon character, but really not as much as uh, something like, a, I don't know, something that's really bourbony, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: an arrogant bastard that's aged in bourbon barrels. Like, right. that takes you in the mouth with bourbon flavor. And this has just everything in moderation. It's got a little bit of hops, a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of roastiness, and then a little bit of that bourbon character, uh, which I find to go really well with the cigar. It's kind of light for the flavors of the cigar, um, but because it's so complex, I think it works pretty well.
0: And I would echo those sentiments. Um, part of the reason I think I like Innocent Gun is that it, it you know, it is on the lighter end of the bourbon influence on the beer. So while you still taste it and while it still accents the beer, it doesn't take away from what the beer quality is. And we've talked about that on, on shows where we've had barrel-aged beers where sometimes the barrel-age is really nice, sometimes the barrel-age just takes it over, and there's really a fine line there where you want the barrel-age to have some influence, but you want to take the beer over so that all you're tasting, the, the bourbon or scotch or whatever that was in there before in that in that drink...
1: Yeah, and conversely, there are some bourbon-aged or spirit-aged beers where you can't even tell. Mm-hmm. It may not even be aged in anything, as far as you tell from your palate. But
0: Yeah, it could just be a new-make barrel. You'd have no idea.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: About. And, of course, the we've talked about it on the show before, because Innocent Gun, I think I've had every single expression that they make and, and multiple, certainly multiples of those expressions. Um, it really just started out where... A whiskey manufacturer wanted to take their, beer, uh, I got that right. Yeah, the whiskey manufacturer wanted to take their beer barrels and age whiskey in them. So they're aging whiskey in them, and then it occurred to Innocent Gun that really what we need to do is release the beer aged in the whiskey barrel, not the other way around. And it turned, turned out to be a wonderful success because, you know, frankly, I love every beer they've put out. Um, they've got a, a couple different expressions from you know, something that's quite light, to just a blonde ale all the way up to the uh, full-on bourbon and, and whiskey barrel aged. And they're, I mean, they're excellent. I, and, and typically the value, the price value is quite affordable. Like they're not in the boutique or microbrewery range for pricing.
1: Oh really? So here they're pretty expensive. Oh, are they? Um, I think this bottle, which is a, it doesn't say what the it's 330, exact. I don't
0: know what that is. Yeah, uh, I would guess it's three thirty. I mean, it
1: says one pint and point nine ounces. Right. Um, but I was hoping for centiliters. Um, but yeah, it's three thirty centiliters or milliliters. That it has it's to be centiliters. Three thirty
0: 330, 330 milliliters.
1: Milliliters. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think I paid about ten bucks. For it. Really. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of. Maybe it's just the the word barrel yeah. that does it, um, but it was it was right in the barrel age category as far as pricing goes here.
0: Hmm.
1: But yeah, I maybe I just normally overpaid. what's that? I could have just overpaid.
0: Um, I mean, it's tough to say. Maybe the import costs are higher from Scotland to uh, the U.S. Maybe you know they were were their um, the uh, Commonwealth brothers, so they cut us a deal here in Canada. I don't know, but maybe. I think typically we only pay for something a bottle for most innocent gun stuff on there.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd buy it, that in a minute.
0: And that's, uh, that's, um, science dollars, not uh, freedom dollars. <laughs> so, you know, it's a really good deal. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So going back to my pairing here, I, I'm, I'm not sure it's, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not sure. Sh- it's a thinker. It's a thinker pairing because like I said, it, it's very similar to a lambic where there's not a lot of sweetness there. It's a good beer, it's a funky pairing and I just don't know whether it's a funky good pairing or a funky bad pairing and I suppose if I haven't decided my mind up I don't I don't know what that means but like you said, it's interesting. If you've ever had a Lambic before, uh, Lambics just have this particular sour, acidic note, and this has exactly that. It's, it's almost like a Blackberry Lambic just without that Blackberry note. It works. It's just, it's not at all what I was expecting of a beer pairing. Um, where would you uh, say you are on the, on the scale of goodness for your uh, Innis and Gun pairing?
1: Well, before I do that, what's the style on that beer? Um, Because as you're talking about it, I I can't figure out how to classify it in my head. I don't know if I missed when you said what the actual style is.
0: They called it a red brown ale, but it doesn't taste, I mean, it's not a brown ale. It's, like you said, (laughs) it's, I would call it a lambic brown ale because this is every single quality of a lambic. And then some of the qualities of, you know how brown ales typically have that toasted malty sweetness oh, to them yeah of course there's none of that <laughs> like there's there's zero toast so it's got all the sort of color of a brown ale but it's got all the mouthfeel and palate presence of a Lamech. so wow, it's sour bizarre it's, it, th- that's what i'm saying it's bizarre i mean it's interesting bizarre so i guess that's you know like as a beer it's interesting. I could I could definitely I'm definitely enjoying this, but as a pairing, I don't know. Like it's just it's different. I mean, it is a great palate clean puffs.
1: I mean, there there's something to be said for that kind of pairing. This one, yeah. I would I would rate mine pretty high. I yeah. I like this beer for a I feel like it goes really well with a cigar. And I feel like it could go with almost anything because uh, it's not too overpowering for many cigars that I can think of that you would want to drink a beer with. Um and it's got enough complexity that unless you're smoking something really strong, you're not going to overpower the beer.
0: Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, I would think Innocent Gun for me is approaching the point where it's almost um, it's almost a default pairing for a lot of beers because mm-hmm. there are a lot of cigars because the strength level of it doesn't tend to overpower most beers or most <laughs> most cigars. And, you know, it, it, is, it is definitely a full-bodied flavor experience, but it's strange that you can have a full-bodied flavor experience that doesn't overpower something else that's not the same body level which you know I might have to kind of rethink my my process on huh. pairing.
1: Yeah, I, I completely see what you mean because it's it's right kind of middle of the road as far as beer body goes. Yeah. It's not, you know, completely taking over your palate, but it's it's not something that has little flavor at all. It's got a considerable amount of flavor while while not uh, taking over your palate at all. Yeah. It's fine line. But-
0: Yeah, it's a fun line, but uh, I think it's probably time to get into our second pairing of the night. Uh, it's, stout, it's stout time even though it's not really stout weather I think we've moved in stout category but before we do that I just want to remind our audience that you are tuned into episode 101 this is Spotlight on La Florida Minicana I'm your host John the Cigar Surgeon joined as always by my co-host Trippy Trent we are broadcast live around the world and of course you can check us out at cigarfederation.com appreciate your support you can also check us out on podcast which if you're listening you already are so make sure to subscribe to get the uh, weekly shows we've got sharing our pairing cigar chat occasionally I'll toss out the uh, audio interview audio review for those who uh, enjoy that but uh, we're here to talk about beer and pairings and uh, i'm ready to get after it now we've we featured this beer so many times that i feel like they should really sponsor us and this is uh, evil twin brewing no hero now i saw oatmeal stout and i kind of just leapt at it because i'm kind of a sucker for oatmeal stouts it's kind of plain packaging black you know cool cool uh Really matte black container. There's not a lot of fanciness there. There's some like stars on it or whatever, but it's not it's not very elaborate. This is uh, seven point seven percent, which is actually a bit lower than what I was expecting for an oatmeal stout. I typically find oatmeal stouts in the eight plus, so reasonably sessionable. And then they have kind of a funky. It's, it's almost like uh, Michael Giannini did the uh, writing for this. So I'm just going to read this off. It says, An alien-like outsider, always flirting with oddity and exploring anxiety and paranoia. A style chameleon. A wonderful labyrinth and truly a transcendent genius. It is impossible not to idolize out of proportion. This is a stout. It may not be a hero, but it's attractive, clever, and hungry for stardom. I don't know what any of that means. I don't, yeah, I don't that, know what any of
1: that means. That doesn't tell me anything about what I'm about to be
0: I don't know anything more about the beer than when I started, other than the fact that it's an oatmeal stout. I mean, I got that from the front of the package. Now, it's definitely got that oatmeal stout quality to it in terms of visuals. It, it is a little bit thinner. Like when I look at the uh, how it approaches a glass, it is a little bit thinner than what I would typically expect out of a stout, which is somewhat disappointing. I t- I tend to really associate oatmeal stouts with being a lot more viscous, very thick, very rich, but we haven't had any tastes yet. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to shut up for a couple minutes here and let be talk about his second bringing the night. All
1: right. And I I have the other beer that that should probably sponsor the show because I know that it, it was on a couple times with uh with Rob in his era. And it's been on – this is at least the second time that we've had it on since I've been around. Rob. Rob who? I don't know. I don't remember the rest of his name. Uh, But this is Death by Coconut from Oscar Mm, Blues.
0: Absolutely.
1: I mean, it's a winter seasonal, and we've just finished up winter. um, So I figured why not drink it and not let it – not leave it sitting around for another few months. Uh, If you don't know, it's an Irish porter. Clock's in at 6.5% ABV. uh, So it's a little – you know, kind of right in the where you would expect a porter to be, I guess. And it is brewed with liquid cacao and coconut. So it's got some of that chocolatey goodness and a little bit of coconut flavor. Maybe a lot of bit of coconut flavor, hence uh-huh. the name. How's your parent doing, John?
0: Good. So I'm not gonna talk about Evil Twin too much because we've talked about them and talked about them, and talked about them. But they were essentially um, kind of like uh, a boutique cigar company in the sense that they don't have their own brewery. They pair with other breweries to do their concoctions, which is kind of cool. I mean, it reduces your overhead expense. You can come up with cool projects. I mean, in, in my mind, it's very much like a lot of boutique cigar companies. Um, this bad boy is 7% ABV. The the uh, brewery that it's brewed out of is a Two Roads Brewing, which is out of Connecticut. And uh, yes, say, that is in yeah, Connecticut.
1: Yeah,
0: and I have to say... I'm not sure if my palate is jacked up from the uh, beer I started, the Old Bruin, um, because it's really tough for me to get the oatmeal quality. I'm just getting a lot of bitterness out of this. And I think it's just my palate is jacked, um, which obviously, as a quote-unquote pairing expert, I picked the wrong order to, um, because my palate is just not coming back. But I can tell you it's got, a, it's got a nice mouthfeel to it. Again, it's a little bit thin for my taste. I tend to like my oatmeal stouts on the thicker side. I want a really thick, viscous stout. It's definitely got some espresso quality on the nose. On the palate, it's sweet, but the sweetness is very subdued. And again, I don't know if it's because my palate is jacked or it's just the way this this stout is particularly designed, but the sweetness of it is very subdued. And I tend to find oatmeal stouts quite sweet. The uh, richness of it is quite jacked up, and there's usually a lot of coffee and espresso. And on this stout, I find all of those levers really dialed down significantly.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and kind of conversely, this Porter has the – it doesn't have the viscosity or the roasty flavors that a stout has. Mm-hmm. But as far as how much – just the level of flavor, uh, it's just turned up. I mean there's a lot of hops. And for only 25 IBUs, yeah. um, you you really taste hops. Then you've got bitter coffee – or not, not coffee, uh, chocolate rather. Um, even though it, you do get some kind of coffee, espresso kind of flavors. Uh, but the chocolate, the coconut – are really the stars of the show in this one. It's it's got a ton of coconut and a ton of chocolate flavor, um, which I find delightful, and I think yeah, it I mean, goes pretty well with the cigar. I,
0: I think the the Oscar Blues Death by Coconut is probably a great benchmark for translating body and strength from cigars and beers, because I feel like that's a perfect example of where something isn't isn't. Doesn't have the strength because it's only six point five percent ABV. But like you said, all the all the flavor profile, the body of that beer is dialed to ten, like or eleven, yeah. really, actually. Yeah, it, is, it really it is, is actually dialed to eleven.
1: It's got a ton of flavor, a ton of what I would call body, but it, it doesn't have much strength. Or I'm not even sure I would call it body because I feel like for you know for body with beer, that's kind of how chewy it is. Right. Um, and with this, it's the level of strength is or the the level of flavor. And the strength of flavor is really high, and then the body and the strength it, itself is just right down the middle.
0: I, I think, in terms of porters, I can't think of a porter that I've ever had that is even remotely as in your face as Death by Coconut.
1: Oh, I don't I don't think so. I mean, yeah. a lot of times porters seem kind of uh, kind of like just they. Just kind yeah, of took Nancy. a stout and they're, watered they're, it down.
0: They're Nancy. You can say it. it's like I'm, yeah. I just a
1: porter. They just don't do much for me because it's no. really just a a roasty dark ale or a really light stout. Yeah, with lots of bubbles. And normally they don't do it for me, but this is this is one of my favorite porters on the planet.
0: Now, mm, are, do you think they're doing a barrel aged version of the Death by Coconut?
1: Because uh, that would be that I'm would be not, hot. I'm ninety percent sure that they do have a. Rum barrel age death by coconut.
0: Oh good God.
1: Yeah, I haven't been able to find any, but I'm almost certain it exists. So a little
0: bit a little bit of advertising for Oscar Blues because I think that that beer would fantastic.
1: Oh, that would be amazing. And uh just an update on Facebook. Henry Mm -hmm. from Drew Estate is blowing us up with thumbs up.
0: Nice. I love Henry. Thanks, Henry. Henry, Henry from Drew Estate, great guy, super classy. Uh, great host. Uh, Henry was hosting us down at Cigar Safari for uh, five days down at Drew Estate, and we certainly appreciate that. It was a good time. Although, uh, getting completely off topic of pairing here, I did find the weather in Esteli kind of sucky. It's
1: oh, kinda, yeah. Yeah, that sucky. weather was that was, that was was not ideal, and not what we're used to when we go down there. You go down there, you usually feel like you're on vacation. It's all sunny and nice, but not too hot. Um, and this year, it was, it was a little rainy. It was pretty cloudy. Uh, it got... It got downright chilly some days.
0: When the Canadians got to put a, a hoodie on, you know something's wrong.
1: Yeah. we at On the, the, the last night, uh, you were wearing your hoodie there, mm-hmm. and you just put it on as soon as you got it painted. And like after a little while, I was like, that's weird that John's not taking off the hoodie. It's pretty warm here. Yeah. And then we go outside, and I'm like, oh, that's why he didn't take his hoodie off, because it's cold. It's cold. Other than that, but it was but, great. The com-
0: but the complete opposite, when we went to Granada granada was like well in celsius it was almost uh 10 degrees warmer than esteli yeah and in uh in freedom degrees it was uh 20 degrees actually it was 25 degrees warmer than yeah about
1: 25 yeah it was nice it was good it was nice it was hot
0: so i'm gonna move on to my last pairing here because the first pairing was funky and interesting the second pairing i'm not sure i'm not sure it was really what i wanted um I, I kind of feel a little bit let down by this Oatmeal Stout in, in terms of the pairing. I think it's a fine Oatmeal Stout, but in terms of how it pairs with the cigar, the cigar is just running this Oatmeal right over like a bull, like an Andalusian. It just doesn't have enough body to keep up with the cigar. It doesn't have all the characteristics that I come to love in an Oatmeal Stout with you know big amounts of espresso, toastedness, multi, multi-character. None of that's really there. It's just very subdued. It's, an, it's a nice balanced Oatmeal Stout, but this cigar just beats it up. Um, you know, beats it up like in a boxing ring for twelve rounds and just loses by two points to decision. <laughs> yeah, Don't, yeah. People, people out there who watched a boxing match a few days ago. Might know. Sweet what I'm reference. <laughs> Sweet reference. Um, so, so, I'm gonna move on to something that isn't as disappointing. All
1: right. All right. That sounds a great idea.
0: So, I've been eyeing this for some time. And I'm going to jack it up, and I apologize to all our native French speakers, because uh, I'm working on my, my Espanol. Um, uh, yo, hablo de Espan- uh, yo hablo un poco de Espanol. And my French is very, very small as well. So this is uh, La, Deboche, La Deboche. And uh, it's kind of a cool package, um, actually made in France, which is uh, always cool. And uh, it's in uh, Charon, France. Uh, and I can't pronounce the city. It's uh, Angoulême. I believe, um, but they say <clears throat> the concept of the brewery was born from a common passion for good products and those who consume them. The artisan brewery is the ad- uh, adventure of a couple of beer lovers who wanted to share their culture with one of the oldest beverages in the world, and each of their beers is first and foremost a visual experience. Their heart and range of their corset-shaped labels discreetly invites you to La be- Labo. So <clears throat> that, I mean, that's kind of the little French t- touch, you know, it's got a little bit of sex in it. Got to throw of a little course. bit of sex in there. And they say, well, our other beers boldly display the label of tattoo artists, illustrators, or comic book authors. So that's kind of cool. I feel like yeah. uh, that'd be right up uh, Robbie's alley, really.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I do have to say you're a brave man coming on, to, coming on live and being willing to read French How as really? someone who doesn't speak French. Because I, I couldn't do that. Like, I would just butcher it. Even worse.
0: I mean, uh, I, I still recall the time where I had to practice for like a half an hour— um, for the uh, wasn't the Norse beer was like from oh. Finland. It was nügnü nügnü n- n- uh, yeah. yeah. N- 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 uh, and I like I probably listened to that YouTube pronunciation for half an hour. Uh, again, unfortunately, my French pronunciation is is terrible. So I apologize to all our French listeners out there. Love your language, love, love your culture, but I'm not very good at your language. But uh, talking about the beer here, it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of this weird. Um, I don't say weird. It's it's a mixture of my first beer and my second beer in terms of it's still got that dark, cloudy brown color to it, but it's a lot darker. Um, it had a wicked, wicked head on it, like crazy foamy pour on it. Um, I actually jacked up the pour a little. Oh. But it's a cognac barrel beer. So they age this in cognac barrels. Hmm. 9.5% ABV. So it's a heater. And it's uh, French wood oak and cognac vs so i'm kind of excited because i like a good cognac and they say the uh the nose is woody and suave so i don't really have any tasting notes that's definitely hmm?
1: that's just one of those like we're gonna tell you something Mm -hmm. um it sounds great but it doesn't mean anything to you
0: yeah i mean it's not a story about an alien or anything like that coming down and changing my experience but at least it's like focused on the beer
1: you definitely
0: you definitely yeah you definitely get, a like, a ton of cognac off the nose. Like, I mean a ton. Like, it's like uh, cognac left in a glass that evaporated overnight, huh. which I dig. And just gobs of uh, French oak as well. So, yeah. like, just that, like, really bright French oak nose. So, I'm going to take some sips here, and I'm hoping I'm not let down by the experience, and I'll let you talk about uh, your third and final beer tonight.
1: All right. Um, so, going back to the, uh, as John mentioned, the... Brewery that should sponsor us. I have got yet another Evil Twin beer here. One that I know has been on the show before, um, but I think it's been a while. This is Imperial Biscotti Break from Evil Twin.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, it's so good. So it's good. Their, their coffee stout, Imperial Stout with coffee added. Um, and it says other natural flavors, though it's not clear exactly what that means. I think it probably means vanilla, but I'm not sure what else. Something oh. else that makes it taste biscotti but... Um, Maybe they we'll dumped find a out.
0: bunch of biscotti in there.
1: It could be, uh, but I feel like that just wouldn't translate well, and it would probably just ferment and turn into a lot of alcohol. Fair enough. Um, this is an eleven and a half percent imperial stout that is just just shy of motor oil. You can tell it's a little bit brown there, uh, but once once you get to the wider part of the glass, it's just straight black. Nice glass. Oh, thank you. A little saints and sinners gear there. Call me. Um, yeah, I know that it's been on the show a couple times, and I just I just love this beer. Um, do you want me to read the silly Michael Giannini-level story from this Go one? for
0: it. I love those stories, All man. Right. So, it makes me embrace beer.
1: Well, it doesn't have a date on the bottle, but when I get to the end of the story, you'll know why I'm looking. Roger that. Uh, so it says, the Roman Empire had a certain je ne sais quoi, festive food culture, extravagant architecture, and spectacular live entertainment. Some might argue... The emperors were brutal, mad, and hungry for power. And the people vain when taking baths and working out all day. Listen, (laughs) that's still all part of the secret imperial ingredient. Keep it cool, clean, confident, arrogant, and flamboyant. Forza Imperiale. Uh, And then it says, produced and bottled by Westbrook Brewing Company. That's where they brew it in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Best before
0: 2015. Uh,
1: awkward. So... I'm not sure. I've only had this bottle for about two months. Um, I'm not sure if I bought a really old bottle hmm. or if uh, they just say that on all of them just for fun because that seems like a thing that Evil Twin might do.
0: Yeah. Well, what's the, well, what did you say the ABV on that bad boy was?
1: Eleven and a half.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's no way that like 11 and a half percent beer is only for... Let's say they brewed it and sit in the bottle for a year. <clears throat> I've got stouts that are... 10 and 10.5% that have been sitting down for two years, sometimes three years, Yeah. and uh, they just keep getting better. I mean, at that at that alcohol level, you can age them for quite some time.
1: Yeah, so it's it's unclear whether I accidentally bought a very well-aged beer, hmm. or if um, they just say that to be funny.
0: Either way, it seems fun.
1: Yeah. Either yeah. way, I like it. How's yeah. your pairing?
0: You know, it's good. <clears throat> the... I've never had a cognac-aged barrel before uh, beer before, but probably because you know, aging something cognac would be crazy expensive. But it's it's probably not only is it the best pairing of the night, it might be one of the better pairings I've had with beer in some time now. Um, it's hard to describe. I mean, you just get um, it. It's kind of like uh, really like a brown ale with the sweetness removed and replaced with a cognac, so it's not overly sweet. You get that nice, rich. Uh, I would say decadent cognac flavor which is you know got sweetness but then it's got a drying aspect to it so it's not too sweet where i think if it had all the the sweetness of a brown ale and cognac on top of that it'd be just overpoweringly sickeningly sweet so i know sometimes we talk about barrel age stuff that that barrel age does make it too sweet in this case really nicely balanced so that cognac both brings the sweetness but also brings that that drying mouthfeel so it kind of kills the finish on it nicely and i'll tell you what with this uh La florida minicana Lenox, it's a hell of a good pairing um it's kind of amplifying all the flavors in the cigar now almost too much because the spice was really falling off for me and mm-hmm. now i'm really finding that spice coming back and being supercharged uh, i'm gonna take a couple retro hails here just let you spit spit some uh spit some truths about your pairing while i do that
1: all right um well before i move on uh Two things, both from listeners. So first, Dennis thinks that there, it's possible that there's almond extract or something like that added to the biscotti break, exactly. which I think I think completely makes sense. I can absolutely taste some kind of nuts and uh, biscotti typically being <laughs> – yeah. Biscotti typically being uh, almond-based. Yeah. Uh, I can definitely see that being in here. The other one is a shout-out to Don Bleeker, who we just saw last week on Safari. It's our boy. He is down there watching from Nicaragua with his own pairing. You know,
0: Don, we appreciate the love. You know, we talk about uh, Burkina Faso all the time because we love the guys down in Burkina Faso. But when our when our listeners are down in Nicaragua tuning in, uh, much love, brother, much love. I hope he's having a blast down in Nicaragua. He ended up staying for I think an additional four or five days to get the uh, the full Nik.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. He was he was going on another tour um, with another cigar company. Um, so, on my pairing, this is the uh I'm trying to think of a good way to put it. Maybe what used to be, I don't know if this reference will hit you or not, John, but what people used to think of as like the chisel. Like the chisel when the chisel came out, that the cigar. LFD chisel,
0: chisel. Yeah, the LFD yeah, yeah.
1: Chiseled Double Ahorro. Yeah. Like that thing was everything turned up to 12. Like It,
0: it was a heater.
1: Yeah, I, that, everybody said it was crazy strong, crazy spicy, crazy flavorful. It just, everything was turned up to 11. Um, and this beer is the beer version of that. Uh, it's got a ton of coffee, a ton of that roasty, stouty sweetness, and then uh, obviously a ton of alcohol. Uh, it may actually overpower the cigar a little bit now that I'm thinking about it. Wow. Uh, maybe just a touch. Uh, I'll have to have a few more sips to make sure. But. I think it's a pretty good pairing. I don't think there's a lot of cigars that could stand up to a beer like this because it's now, just, everything is so strong.
0: Yeah. Now, I have to say, I'm getting, I'm sort of getting to the middle, middle third of the Lenox. And I think I did a, I think I got a pending review on this. Um, I forgot that this cigar transitions nicely. So was saying at the beginning, it's kind of a medium, maybe medium plus uh, for strength. And I forgot that this bad boy kicks up a lot of progress. So sitting almost at the halfway point here, uh, it stepped up a lot. Look, it's got a lot, of, a lot of power to it, um, and the spiciness is coming back along with um, some, some again, some earthiness and really some really nice sweetness, which I wasn't getting a lot in the first third. Um, and it's interesting because this this cognac barrel aged cigar, uh, barrel aged beer, pardon me, is is so sweet that uh, the cigar is really overpowering that. So. Uh, wow. Yeah, strong cigar, but again, both the cigar and the beer have that really short finish to it. So they're going nicely together, and they're not running each other over at
1: all. So I think that transition you were talking about, I think I actually had to relight right at the beginning of that transition. Hmm. So while you were talking, I just had to relight um, and then took another puff, and man, it is strong. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, you know, it's got lots lots more spice now. Uh, lots more strength and lots more kind of burn on the retro retrohale. Um, and I, I actually think I'll go back on what I said just a minute ago and say that it, it definitely stands up to this beer.
0: Well, so I th- I think I'm going to try and coin a new term. Maybe it's being used, but I, I feel like it's got like a deserty quality. And by, by that, I mean, it's like this rich, complicated, complex mixture of things I associate with baked goods. So like, chocolate yes. but like a chocolate that's been baked into some sort of loaf or cake it's got some spices but again spi- like like a spicy cake and then it's got the earthiness but again it's not like the typical earthiness I get out of San Dominican cigars where it's like I'm chewing on dirt it's like you you somehow mix dirt into the, into the combination of flavors and so it's in there but it's all balanced with everything else and um, I remember why I bought you know a half a half a box of these because they're good,
1: yeah, I think I gotta get some more because I just I just went out and bought this little this little guy just to try it, um and then obviously we had the show, so I figured why not smoke this guy yeah. um, and I agree, like it's it's super rich um and it like we've been talking about the whole time, it doesn't go over the top on anything, mm-hmm. but it's got everything right at that like top end of almost going over the top,
0: so <clears throat> there's no question this uh, la de um cognac barrel is like hands down the the pair of the night but i'm going to kind of work my way back because we've got a few minutes here before we wrap it up and i want to see if now that i've kind of gone away from that funky uh old Bruin, uh whether i can get some more characteristics out of this oatmeal stout
1: all right and i'm while you're doing that i'm going to talk about uh my thoughts on my pairing roger that So now that we've sort of rediscovered for both of us that transition right right at kind of the midpoint of the cigar, where it goes from medium and everything in balance to kind of just like bubbling over the top almost, Uh, I'm going to say the best pairing for the first half was the Innocent Gun. The best pairing for the second half is the Imperial Biscotti Brink. Wow. So if you can get your hands on both of those and a Lenox, you're, you're in for a pretty good pairing
0: trio i mean trip it's almost like you can't just smoke an inch of a cigar to get the full character of what that cigar is you know what i'm saying
1: one might say
0: one might i think our audience knows where i'm going with (laughs) um so going back to the uh evil evil uh twin brewing no hero oatmeal stout uh again it's not an oatmeal stout it's i would i'll call it an oatmeal porter because the flavor profile on it is just too thin to pair with the cigar and I think the flavor profile of this cigar is really running the the beer over, which is really unfortunate. I'm going to hit up the uh, Old Bruin now and make some faces because it it is just so vastly different from the profile of these two beers.
1: It's just got some funk.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, even on the nose, I mean, on the nose, it just super reminds me of Lamek because I get that um, caramelized brown sugar, yeah. which I really associate with a Lamek. Mm-hmm. And then just, like, the very first thing you get, is just that huge, huge acidic mouthfeel, which I really like out of a lambic. But in terms of cigar pairing, I, I'm just, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sold. Yeah, it's, and, and it's funky.
1: Lambics generally aren't great with cigars.
0: No, they're not.
1: Uh, and I can see a lambicish brown ale not being great with cigars.
0: Now, that being said, if you want to pick up a short Lenox and try it out, I think it's kind of an interesting and fun pairing experience. I mean, you kind of do get that, um, you know, that quality of a Lambic without getting the overly uh, fruity quality. It's not too sour, so it's not like a true sour. And it's not like a sour or a cider where you get a lot of overpowering uh, fruity characteristics. It, you know, they're all really nicely balanced. But in terms of pairing with a cigar, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a funky experiment, that's for
1: sure. Yeah. Um, and that reminded me. Uh, oh. When you said the petite, I did find out this is a five by 40, which is kind of a weird, size. Oh,
0: that is a weird um, size.
1: It's like the length of a Corona, but the, the ring gauge of a petite Corona.
0: It's almost like a, a short, large Lancero, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a, a half
1: Lancero Gorda.
0: <laughs> I, I, a half I mean, Husky I, Lancero. Half, it's a, it's a Husky Lancero. It's a short Husky Lancero. You call it the, uh, you know what? You call it like the fat boy lenser. Lanz- the
1: fat Lancero.
0: The fat lens Lanz- it's funky. Yeah, it's um, just a weird size,
1: but I think it works it's, really well.
0: It's a well. weird size. So, wrapping up here, I'm gonna throw you into the bus a little bit. Do we have a cigar chat guest booked for tomorrow night? Not that I'd be able to attend because I'm gonna be getting on a plane to Havana. But we do not
1: have-, have one tomorrow night. I got an email while we were talking that we may have one for next week. So you have to funny. wait to find out who that is.
0: All right. Well, we'll certainly let our guests, our uh, audience know, both on CigarFederation.com and Facebook. I apologize. I've got uh, some Lambic uh, gases going on here, so I'm trying not to be rude and belch in our ears. Um, so we'll definitely post that at CigarFederation.com. We'll post that on Facebook.com a couple days in advance just so people know who our special guest is. And, uh, you know, if you're a guest out there and want to join Cigar Chat and put up with uh, Logan's Antex for 58 minutes, we certainly welcome you to. Who can they contact, Trip?
1: They can contact me. Actually, I don't have an email address at CigarFederation.com, and I don't want to give out my regular email address. How about am going to say email they can me. contact you. So
0: surgeon at CigarFederation dot com, <clears throat> hit me up, send me an email. We'd love to have you on cigar chat. Um, we've got a few months before the IPCPR here. So we'd like to talk about the new hotness. Maybe see if we can extract some uh, secret scroll stuff out of you before the uh, IPCPR get you in trouble with your marketing team. Hit me up, surgeon at cigarfederation.com. And I want to say uh, thanks to all our Armed Forces Radio Network listeners out there. I know we've had a bit of a gap between our last Sharing Our Pairings and this one, but we really do value you guys, and we know you're out there keeping us safe wherever you are stationed in the world. Probably getting a little hot wherever you are stationed in the world, especially if you're out in the, uh, in the sandbox. But I hope you're staying safe, and I uh, hope you have a fantastic weekend. As we were saying, Sharing Our Pairings, we want you to drink better, but drink less. We're back. And we're, we're gonna do we're gonna do an after dark segment. <clears throat> I'm not gonna cuss a lot because I feel I feel strangely uh, weird with this being on Facebook. That it, you know I need to be a little bit more um, responsible. You know a little bit more debonair. To, uh, to, uh,
1: I say fuck that. Fuck
0: that. That's fuck perfect.
1: that. Uh, so, I mean, if you're watching it on Facebook, it shows up. It doesn't have sound. You gotta click on it to get sound anyway. You know what you're true. getting into.
0: You know what you're getting
1: into. Uh, yeah, this is a good cigar, man. I, I think this I forgot good how good this was.
0: I'm glad I have a bunch left. Uh, I'm, I can't remember if I did, I think I did a video review, uh, which I still have yet to post. Um, but it's really good, man. It's um, it's balanced. It's nuanced. Um, you know, it is, it is in the limited, because it is part of the Florida Minicata Limited Edition. But what I like about it is that when they come out with a limited edition range, it's good. Like it's, it's, you're not going to be let down. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to drop that ten fifty, eleven fifty, whatever it costs yeah. and feel like you got ripped off. I mean, the present, even the presentation on the box is really cool. It came in like that cool round box.
1: I almost, it took was whole, such a cool box.
0: Yeah. It's a cool box. I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, maybe don't notice that on a limited edition cigar, but uh, it's a cost, and we found out some of the costs of boxes when we were down in Nicaragua. Oh you know,
1: man, some of them was so, it's so expensive; it's crazy. Expensive. And and I know that, like, I mean, that's just for the like, a regular box. Yeah. Like for one that's got you know fancy molding at the top or printing on the inside and stuff like that. I mean, I can see some manufacturers paying as much as like twenty five dollars a box, which yeah. is nuts.
0: That's crazy. It's cray-cray. Yeah.
1: Correct, correct. Uh, So I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna rant a little bit. <clears throat> oh,
1: I know what you're gonna rant about you. Yeah, you do. Go ahead, sister.
0: <clears throat> I'm going. So, <clears throat> for all of you out there who are not CRA members, go to CRA, become a member today. Because what I'm about to talk about is the kind of bullshit that's going to be coming your way in not too long. And what's that bullshit I'm talking about? Well, tell you what, that bullshit is tobacco taxes. And normally in Canada. Where we really get boned is at the provincial level. So, to, to give you a sense of it, it's a two-tier tax system. We have a federal excise tax and import tax, and then we have a provincial tax. And the provincial tax is where really the lion's share of where we pay we pay their tax, the taxes on tobacco products. Unfortunately, our federal government has decided to come up with a new budget, which I wasn't really too worried about until I got an alert email in my inbox before the show, which is why I was a little heated up at the beginning. <laughs> Our federal government, in their infinite wisdom, has decided that cigars in Canada do not cost enough already. So they've decided to increase our excise tax. They've increased it, I think I have to look at the numbers, but it's gone from 67% excise to 84% excise. And what happens at the provincial level is our provincial multiplier adds on is a multiplier. So it's not, you know, it goes from 67 to 84 and you get an increase of just, you know, 17% we get 17% and then the provincial multiplier is 1.3 on top of that. So that extra 7% now becomes 21 extra percent of tobacco tax at the provincial level, which is bullshit. So
1: it's crazy. It's insane. It's,
0: it's it's crazy. I've it's so complex, it's so convoluted, it's so ridiculous that I've got a spreadsheet on my on my computer with the various levels of calculation so I can just plug the numbers in and find out what that True boning is going to be at the end of the night, and uh, I think what it's going to end up being is that on most boxes, it's going to be about a ten to twelve percent increase in cost. Ten to twelve percent. So, and that's because on top. What, what yeah. did
1: they raise the percentage by?
0: Mm. So the federal I'm... excise was 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 sixty seven percent, and it's now eighty four percent. Oh God, it's crazy! It's crazy. So uh, this couldn't come at a better time. And I say that facetiously because I'm about to go to Havana and one of the fun parts about going to Havana is that you go down to Havana, you find some additional limitadas, some custom rolls, maybe you're over your your allotment, no big deal, you come by, you, pay, you come back, you, you you do your good duty as a good Canadian taxpayer, you pay your taxes. That's really given me some pause to think about, do I really want to go over my allotment when I come back because I don't know if, I don't know what that calculation is going to be because um, I don't know what the true result is yet. And I don't know how hard that's gonna really screw me over when I come back. So now we've got, you know, seven, eight guys going down to Havana to buy cigars and we might actually reduce the amount of cigars we buy. And, you know, obviously <clears throat> I'm in the industry and I'm looking for looking forward to see how much is that really gonna impact our cigar sales at the stores. You know, how much how much is that gonna impact the amount of money that people are gonna be able to spend in our stores? It's it's a bad move. It's a bad, bad move. And it pisses
1: Yeah, it's just sad that I mean obviously there's there's a uh, a gap in understanding, which is the, uh, of course the same thing that's causing this whole FDA thing is because when people think of cigars, they don't think of the hobby that goes along with cigars they don't think of you know the pairing the trips to Nicaragua, stuff like that uh, when's the last time somebody went for like a four day stay um, so that they could see where they make Marlboro cigarettes? Yeah I mean I would say I would say never. The culture is completely different and the purpose of the product is different. And that's where that's where things get confusing for people who don't know about cigars because there's just a lack of education. Um, and I, I don't know of a good way to get that education out there. Uh, the best way that I've seen is – I can't remember their names right now. The guys who are making the hand-rolled documentary. They're making a movie that's a documentary about premium cigars and just kind of uh, from start to finish – what you know why people care about cigar and why there's an entire industry around it uh and and nobody not a single person in that industry is there because there is any kind of addiction no or anything like that it's all all the consumers are there because they're passionate about it at some level
0: When's the, I mean, other than Logan, when's the last time you got on a plane flight and you were two hours into a plane flight and you were like, oh man, I really need a cigar, man. I'm dying in the plane. I'm not yeah. going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Never. Yeah, exactly.
1: And I mean, I do like when I was sitting in an airport for several hours this weekend, I, I did think, man, I could really use a cigar, but it's not because I feel like my body needs a cigar or anything. It. A cigar is just a way to relax my mind. Mm. I mean, it just makes me a little bit less stressed out, um, which there's no – there's, of course, no chemical in cigars that makes you less stressed out. <laughs> there's a little nicotine, which will make you more or stressed a out.
0: little vitamin N, man. So I am, of course, leaving on a jet plane um, in about just over 26 hours. Oh, man. man. To Havana yeah it's weird I don't I don't normally fly out <clears throat> late at night it's it's kind of a weird flight the way it works but it's the only way I could kind of make the flights work so unfortunately it's it's uh I haven't done an overnight flight in a long time uh I can honestly say I'm really not looking forward to it because it's going to be a very long day yeah. basically leaving at twelve thirty a.m and I think I uh, hit the ground in Havana at like uh, 11 11 in the morning
1: that's always rough yeah because you you don't really like, you know, normally you're traveling during the day and you're passing out on planes. And then by the time you get there, you're kind of ready to go to bed. Yeah. Um, and you just tough it out for a couple hours and then you're done. Uh, but when you're when you go through that same experience, but you arrive in the morning, it's like now you have to stay up all day or you're going to ruin your sleep schedule for the whole trip.
0: And the thing about Havana is that there really, <laughs> excuse me, there really are no early nights in Havana. Of course. At all. So, you know, I get there probably, if I'm lucky, four or five hours of sleep. Oh, lucky. man. And then, you know, have some Cuban, Cuban coffee when I'm there. Um, but we're we're pretty much going to be immediately going out, doing some cigar shopping, hit up uh, Hotel Nacional and have some mojitos, have some more Cuban coffees. And, I mean, if I get to bed before one in the morning that night, I'd be shocked.
1: Man, I need to go to Cuba. It's pretty good. Now that I'm allowed to. i got to make a trip down there one of these days.
0: Just get your tourist visa. Start applying now.
1: Oh, is that a thing? See, I yeah. didn't even know. I would have gotten there in, I don't know, whenever I decided to go. I would have gotten there and they would have been like, no, you can't come in. You don't have a tourist visa.
0: Yeah, I think you you either need to, um, there's two ways you can go. There's a website, the state website, a federal website you can to apply for your tourist visa. Um, okay. But there's, you know, there's like 14 different, 14 different reasons for it. And you know experiencing tobacco culture would certainly be one of those reasons, um, and beyond that, you know from that point on, you're good you you know for you easy flight to Havana because it's not very far. Land, go through the customs stuff, and uh, you're good to go and it's yeah. um it's a different world it's a very different very interesting
1: I mean just out of curiosity, I was looking at the other i was i think yesterday I was just looking at flights to Havana, and they're about uh i don't know thirty percent cheaper than a flight to Nicaragua. Mm. With considerably less layovers, it's one layover in LAX and then a direct flight from there. Sounds easy.
0: Yeah, for Canadians, um because Nicaragua is quite a ways away and because there's not a ton of Canadian tourism to Nicaragua versus Havana, like to give you a sense of it, I think last year almost two million Canadians visited Nicaragua for out of a country of thirty three million Wow and yeah.
1: You mean so, Havana or Nicaragua? In, uh
0: in in Cuba.
1: Okay. You were you said Nicaragua and I was very confused. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I might've had a beer too. So, uh, our flights to Cuba, like <clears throat> I was trying to explain this to somebody else. Like if I want to go down to Cuba and I just want to go to a resort, I think on average I could probably spend 350 or $400 for a week. Wow. All inclusive. In oh Cuba. my God.
1: That's amazing. For right? me, a flight alone is going to be about 500 bucks. Right. Uh, that's like, you're talking like for me, Vegas money. I mean, That's, it's if I want to it's, fly to Vegas, yeah. I can I can go to Vegas and have dinner for less, and then fly home for less than it costs me to fly to Nicaragua.
0: Yes, yeah, it's it's full on Vegas money, but all inclusive for the week. Um, so you know, a lot of people talk about Mexico, and it's like, well, the thing about Cuba is Cuba is extremely safe for for a tourist for, a, yeah. uh, for tourism. It's extremely safe. In fact, you know, I'd put it right up there with Nicaragua, maybe even a little bit Nicaragua. And Nicaragua is a hundred percent. But, you know, the, the the downside is that um while there's some really great Cuban restaurants, overall I, I'm kind of partial to Nicaraguan food over Cuban food and a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, Nicaragua's a huge beef producer, they've got a lot more um a lot more spices and, and ingredients that are available to them to create wonderful meals yeah. in Cuba. They kinda have to just go with what they've got. Sure. So yeah, it's um, you know, it's a good experience and for the money it's you know inexpensive like i like i can basically basically for my flight cost to nicaragua i can stay seven days in a
1: wow that's incredible exactly uh, last night i, I really got to go to nicaragua now cuba or cuba yes sorry mm. i keep getting backwards now beers yeah
0: so uh we'll have to figure out what we're doing for our pairing show next week uh it'll be a bit of a short week for me because uh i'm flying back on tuesday so i'll basically have uh, half a day to prepare but uh, i'm game and our weather here is going to be in the you know Low to, low to mid 60s oh, so low, low to mid 60s i mean you can see i'm not wearing a jacket i'm yeah. not wearing a long sleeve shirt i just got my my fancy uh hoodie on and the toque really the toque is just because i want to show it off not because i'm cold <laughs> so uh you know i'm ready to rock this feels like uh, summer vacation i'm totally down
1: yeah sounds good i'll mm. uh i'll come up with some some ideas for next week
0: roger that all right so thanks to all our audience who tune in live on facebook and YouTube. Thanks to all of our podcast listeners out there, wherever you are in the world. Uh, I know you guys are like 30, 40 countries out there listening to our show. We really appreciate that. And uh, like we said, sorry, it's been uh, four weeks since we had our last show. But uh, we want you to tune in next week. We're going to have another pairing show. So as we say saying, i sharing our pairings. Drink better, but drink less.